What's up, Birdland BSers? Today's Tuesday, January 8th. This is episode 79 of the Birdland BS podcast. On today's show, we're talking Ravens rap on 2018. The future does look bright. And some Terps basketball riding the ship. Stay tuned. Take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS. What's up, BSers? What up, guys? Fred and Scott here. It's episode 79 of the Birdland BS podcast. You can't uh, make a joke on that one. You made a joke on 69. You can't make a joke on 79. Nah, there's nothing to say there for 79. Oh, man, this one, uh, this one's a hard one, man. This is uh, this hurts. Yeah, this one hurts. It still stings. Obviously, uh, we got a lot to get in here, a lot to cover with the Ravens and the end of the season. Uh, there it was for the, for the Ravens. Tough pill to swallow. It doesn't even begin to describe it, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm getting was, heartburn just like thinking about it. <laughs> it was pretty rough there. Uh, nonetheless, we are going to talk the Ravens 2018 season, uh, but we're also going to talk about the future and what is, in my opinion, a bright future for this team. Uh, so we got a lot of things to cover. We're also going to ter- talk some Terps basketball as the Terps kind of find their way back on track. Scott, anything else that I'm missing that... Uh... No, I think you pretty much hit it all. I mean, <laughs> it's going to hurt a little bit no matter what, no matter how you try and, and spin this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a problem. Yeah. So, Well, before we get too far into this thing, want to remind you guys, check out our guy, John Scheffenacher over at Cummings & Co. Realtors. Are you in the market to buy or sell a home? Do you want someone to go to bad for you? Call John over at Cummings & Co. Realtors. John's been in the business for four years now and is dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always available to take your call anytime, day or night. For you Oreo fans out there, you may know him as the guy with the orange button down, black tie, backwards hat, and sunglasses sitting behind the dugout at Oreo Park at Camden Yards. So give our kind guy John a call today, 410-443. Yeah, not 410. <laughs> no. 443-604-6298. Yeah, you guys have heard me say it before. I continue to say it. Uh, John was actually mine and my wife's realtor. When we were looking for a home, he was really in tune with what we were looking for and how we wanted to get there. He did a great job of finding us different houses. When we actually found a house on our own, we called him on vacation. He answered our call, got us into the house within a day or two while he's on vacation, wound up being the house that we bought, and we love it. He's always there for us. He's always sending us extra information, little tips and tricks. If we're going to update the house, right? I told you some of the updates we're looking yeah. to do. He gave me some tips on, on how to increase the value of my home with those adjustments. So he's always looking out for it. So whether you're looking to buy or sell a home, make sure you reach out to John today. 443-604-6298. You can also give him, or give him a shot in an email. He can email you at any point. That's J-O-N 
S-C-H-E-F-F-A at gmail.com. Again, that's John Sheffa at gmail.com. Make sure you hit him up and make sure you let him know Berlin BS is the one that sent you. That's right, man. Well, <laughs> let's kind of get into the inevitable. Uh, we got to talk about them Ravens. Yeah, we got a special guest to talk about it, though. We do. We do. And uh, joining us now on the show, you can find this guy on Twitter. Find him on Facebook. Find him on Instagram. He's got a new Instagram. Yeah. Everything is SZG Sports. It's our boy, Sonny. What's going on, Sonny? How are you? What's up, guys? Yeah, I tried to be consistent, you know. It's easier for people to find like that, that way. <laughs> Consistency is always good. Yeah, man, so uh, appreciate you being on the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. I wish it was under better circumstances. I wish it was uh, more so with positive vibes. I, you know, I don't want to say, okay, I don't want to say everything is doom and gloom because it's not. I, there's a lot of positives to pull away from this year and the future. Uh, but, man, this one, this loss, it was a tough pill to swallow. How'd you handle it? You getting over it yet? So it was hard. Um, I think the biggest thing was I, it was funny because after the game, I thought I was going to be super pissed off. Right. Because usually after the games, I'm like, like, livid. Like, I don't, like, don't talk to me for a while. I just need a break. Right. But after this game, as I was walking to um to the car, I was like, yo, look how much our guys did this year. Right. Because I, I thought we were not going to make the playoffs. Although I was betting that we were making the playoffs with a couple of co-workers. Um, but I was like, yo, our boys fought. I bought, They fought and... And I love it. I love because because then again, as you do this long walk, my car was far away. Um, I'm not a lot aged, you know. I'm a little bit farther away. <laughs> I, I was like, yo, even though we started so bad, we started horribly. That's what I love out of the team. Another team would have quit. Our team didn't quit. So so, after you reflect for a little bit, you you proud of the team? Yeah, I think that's kind of both our takes on it as well. You know, yeah. it is. As high hopes as I had for this team kind of going into the playoffs, you know, some optimism, I thought. Um, I thought we had a good chance at winning this game against the Chargers. You know, the whole – I felt like the whole – seeing them for the second time, I thought personally was kind of blown out of proportion a little bit. But, look, kudos goes out to the Chargers. That the defense, Chargers man. had a great game plan in this game. Obviously, the Chargers win this game 23-17. to The score doesn't really dictate – in my opinion, how dominant the Chargers were in this game. Um, you know, it, it, granted, it was for three quarters of football. They were very dominant, and then things changed. Um, we'll get into that here in a couple minutes as to what changed. But, yeah, some things changed, and the playbook got opened up a little bit more, and we started to see kind of what Lamar could do. But there's no doubt, there's, there's no arguing that Lamar struggled in this game. He he did. For me, one of the things that I was actually reading and, and saw after the fact, uh, I thought it was a great – I forget who wrote the article, uh, but it was it was surrounding the Chargers. They basically asked the Chargers, you know, how how were you able to read, uh, especially the, the run game, so well after it, it kind of dominated you last time. Right. And one of the things that was pointed out was Stanley's feet. They said that when they saw Stanley's feet set up square – they knew it was going to be a run through, through one of the gaps. Mm -hmm. But if he was set up with his left foot back, it was going to be a counterattack. Right. 
So it was able to, they were able to just look at his feet, and Joey Bosa was able to know what was coming just from that. Well, let's, let's dive into that first and foremost, then. We'll talk about the offensive line and the play of the offensive line. Sonny, this, in my opinion, was the worst performance of the offensive line since Lamar has taken over this team. What was your, what was your take, or what did you see with the offensive line in this game? Um, and being live, it was even more like impressive. Right. It, the, the, the offensive line was trash. Actually, you know what? Sometimes after they snapped the ball, I thought our guys were was wearing white. Because after the snap, all you were seeing, it was a, a line of white. Right. So I was like, is our O-line wearing white jerseys? Oh, no. It's the whole D-line from the Chargers. What the <laughs> hell? Stanley yeah. was horrible. And I like Stanley. Brown, that I had praised him, he was horrible. Yeah. Skura, for me, has never been good. And he was horrible again. Hurst, I remember Hurst. There was a plate. Oh, my God. The guy just took him for a ride all the way to Lamar and just grabbed Lamar and took him down. Hurst might as well have not been out there. I mean, that's basically as effective as he was. <laughs> yeah, pretty he much. He was just – the only one that I didn't see struggle as much was Yonda. You know, he's our boy. He's consistent. But it, it didn't matter because if four of your five are struggling, it doesn't matter, right? right. It's just It was just horrendous. It was so bad. Um it, it, it goes back to Lamar having difficulty, but there was more. It, it was just more than Lamar. People online just want to say, "Oh, Lamar was trash." Well, he wasn't good. And if you check my video, I I, I didn't sugarcoat it. He wasn't good. But right. that all line, bro. I mean, seven no sacks. I mean, they gave up seven sacks in this game. Would have been I don't more care who you got back, back there at quarterback, and and you've got. In my opinion, you've got the most elusive quarterback in the NFL right now. A guy that has unquestioned speed and ability to get out and maneuver himself in the pocket he gets sacked seven times in this game what the heck is the offensive line doing they they were not prepared for this this rushing uh this rushing scheme that the chargers came out with to counteract this run they were not prepared at all they were caught off guard stanley was there you know even orlando brown was struggling right y'all that's that's to Sonny's point, yeah, I mean, it's, Orlando Brown hadn't given up a single sack at all since he's been a starter on this no. team. And, I mean, he, he was getting dominated at the line. Um, and, and, you know, a, a, an interesting stat that I saw, you were talking about uh, formations and personnel. The Chargers defense only lined up in normal personnel one time in this game. One time. 58 of 59 snaps, they played with seven defensive backs on the field. You never see that in this league. And, again, kudos to the Chargers doing what they need to do to game plan against this offense. Yeah. I mean, what, what better way to go after speed than with speed? Replacing your, your slower linebackers with DBs and guys that can – react and move quicker when he gets to the edge you got somebody that can chase him down with the speed instead of having a linebacker asking a linebacker to chase down a guy that can run you know i, I can't even remember what he ran did he run a four six forty yeah four like four was four it, was it was yeah. it four four i couldn't remember he didn't, run, he, was four, he didn't run a 40 but people are saying that he was between four 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 five probably. right okay he, he didn't want to run a 40 because he didn't want to be associated with a, the whole the, the speed he wanted them to see team see him as a quarterback that's why he didn't run a 40 73 percent of their snaps 73%. They had zero linebackers on the field. Zero. They play with four defensive linemen and seven DBs. It's just, it's just straight unheard of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, and now, 
with that said, you know, some people are going to say, well, then they figured out the formula, how to stop Lamar and how to stop this offense. Not many teams are built with that kind of personnel that they can play with seven DBs. Question regarding that, though. I mean, I'd be interested to hear Sonny's take on this. Do you think some of that may have been as a result of what the Browns were kind of able to do in that last game and some of the stopping that they were able to do on the run game? I don't know. I, I think we still ran good against the Browns. I think we have been running less effective in the last couple of games, right? Even the Chargers in San Diego, we didn't run as effective as earlier. And that was because teams were putting more and more people on the lots. My biggest issue is, and that's fine, you still want to keep running the ball, but adjust, right? Right. If you have – it. it goes back to the old line, right? The old line was confused because you have seven people there, eight people there, very close to the line. You don't know who the hell blocked, right? A couple of them were coming. Sometimes the D-backs were coming and the D-linemen were pushing back a little bit, almost like a like a mini zone. Right. Um, sometimes the D-linemen was coming and the, and the backs were just, again, in a mini zone just to react quick to Lamar. It wasn't like they were dropping back. They were just – so they have everybody in the box. And we kept running the same way, the same play. I'm like, yo, it's fine that you keep trying that, but at some point I just, which goes back, I was disappointed with Harbaugh. Not, obviously, I'm disappointed with Marty. Yeah, well, that you goes guys know being said. Exactly, but Harbs should have go to Marty like, what the, what, what are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Where's your adjustment? Where's your adjustment? Roman, you want to call play? Because this guy doesn't know how to call plays today. It's shocked. That's what I would have done. Like, Today, bro, Sonny, he, he never can play call, play I, I call well. I mean, through, through no three adjustment. quarters of play, they had nine passing attempts. Nine. Now, look, I'm not putting all the blame on the offensive line, and I'm not putting all the blame on the play calling. I want you guys to understand that there's plenty of blame to pass around here. And as big of a, of a Lamar supporter as I am, I'm not blind to the fact that Lamar just did not play good in this game. Now, there are some handicaps. Obviously, the offensive line is one of them. The, the play calling is another. But, you know, Lamar did drop the ball on his first drive. Yes, he picked it back up. It didn't cost them the ball. But he did drop it, so the fumbles continue. To, to your point earlier with Skura, Skura, I don't know if he had the yips early on, but he was having a hard time with some of his snaps to Lamar, one of which went over Lamar's head. That's not on Lamar, but, you know, the Mars, the Mars throws, the accuracy that has been an issue since day one, it continues to be an issue. He was underthrowing guys, overthrowing guys. It, it didn't look pretty, but my, my point here with the, off, with the, uh, the play calling is regardless of, you got to understand that this kid was a rookie. This was his first playoff game. You can't just because in the first nine pass attempts he's not having all that you know all that good success. You can't abandon the passing game altogether. No, you can't. I mean, that's you hit it right on the nail right on the head. I mean, he did. He actually started off going two for four in the passing right. attempts, and then they just you know like you said nine. So that means that, that was the first drive. So that means for the remaining five drives, they attempted to pass a total of five times. And to Sonny's point just a minute ago, they were running the ball the same way. They love running Lamar to the left side or up the left side of the gap, a mm -hmm. uh, left side of the middle of the line. Very rarely do you see Lamar get out to the right. 
And when he does get out to the right, it's usually usually for some of these bigger gains. Right. You know, he's at least able to get to the first down when going to the left on some of the some of these runs that he had. Uh, but especially like a, I think it was a third drive, he had like a 15 yard run. But that in that same drive, he also had a sack, which was a loss I think of like five or six. Sonny, what was your take on Lamar? What did you see with Lamar? I think the one criticism that I will have with Lamar that I've been having since the beginning, he needs to hold the ball. Yeah. Because the problem is. He likes to run with the ball. It's very loose. It's almost like he has it like in the tip of the ball. Doesn't have a really good grab. And as he's running, he loses the ball. So he needs to figure out how to hold to the ball. Um, the other thing that I was seeing with Lamar was he wanted, on the passing place, he wanted to pass. Right. But they didn't, he didn't have time because what they were doing, they were just making sure they were collapsing the corners and they were still pressure from the middle, right? Yeah. So they were literally collapsing the pockets because they had eight people there. So, again, it goes back to the play calling. If you have eight people in the box, right, how do you spread them out? What you did at the end, you spread your receivers out. Exactly. Hey, you spread your receivers out. Let's go five wide. I, you know running back? Because Gus wasn't doing much either. You, go, go, go wide, right? You can have two tight ends. Two, you can do two tight ends, three receivers, or two tight ends, two receivers, and a running back. However you want to do it. Right. And if... After you split it, you can bring the tight ends back, but open the space right. and tell Lamar, hey, you're going to have three wreaths. I know there's five guys there. You're going to have three wreaths because they're coming at you. So yeah, I mean, to your point there, the I, I don't know how many times in that first three quarters of play they lined up with single wide receiver formation, one wide receiver on the field. Yeah. That's, I mean, you can't expect Lamar to be able to – have any kind of reads or any kind of options when you've got one wide receiver on the field? No, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna put guys you've out, gotta there, spread you, it out. You've got to give them the ability to to get open, give them the chance, and not only that. I mean, one of the things that, that's come out of this offense is these wide this wide receiving core. They actually have done a fairly solid job with blocking. Right when it's when it comes to the run. So when you take that off the field, well, now I don't have to worry about Snead blocking. I don't have to worry about you know if you're running a three tight end set as they did multiple times in this game, it makes it a lot harder for the defense, or I'm sorry, a lot easier for the defense to game plan and say, well, we don't have to worry about anybody burning downfield. And then when you have some of these guys, when Lamar can get out to the edge, they pick up an extra block that comes from Snead or it comes from Crabtree or it comes from Brown, right. you know. Those those key moments didn't happen in this game. And to your point, a little bit of that is, or a, really a good majority of that, is the play calling. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, I don't want to harp on all the negative in this game. You know, again, I, I feel as though there's a lot of blame that can kind of be spread out throughout this game. It's not any one particular thing that lost us this game. There's multiple things that lost us this game. Well, if you talk to some people, there might be some, there might be one thing. What's that? Just saying. There's somebody that was on the bench. Don't do it, Scott. I'm just saying that people are saying we've got we've we've got people that have chimed Don't in. Don't do it, Scott. I'm saying it. It's look. It's one of those things that you you do have to in your mind oh, in your go. mind. You can't tell me you didn't play the what if game. I'm not saying that he had to come in, but there is a good point that was brought up that I saw uh, just in our in our feed just a second ago, and I didn't even think about this. You ran trick plays with Lamar and Joe. Why not bring Joe in there and have Joe in there with Lamar at the minimum? At the minimum. 
Yeah. Just saying. To play the 10 whole, against 11? Yeah. The, the whole Joe notion. Okay, listen. I'll be honest with you. I'll be completely transparent. At halftime, the thought of should Joe come in crossed my mind. It did. It crossed my mind because I couldn't help it because the fans are booing. The, you know, everybody is yelling for Joe. You know, all the, the people that are Joe lovers and Lamar haters are just screaming for Joe. And they had been for the entire second quarter. I mean, it started legitimately right after the first quarter. Craziness, right? And, and I, I'll say it. I did have the thought cross my mind. But for so many reasons, that's not the right call not not just specifically for this game yes for this game but also just for the future of this team there's there's multitudes of reasons why that was not the right call i mean i'm just saying when you look at the guy's ability in his history in the playoffs you're you're discounting joe's ability in the playoffs i know it's look look i know the whole argument is it's been years it's been it's been years but but when he gets there, is he not effective? He has been. He, he had, again, in 2012, he had a historic run. There, I, and All right, before we get into this, because I, this is going to set me off on a tangent. So before we get into this. Sonny, grab your popcorn, yeah, sit man. back, grab a beer. Chime in when you want. But look, there's a couple of things that I want to make sure I cover so that people out there don't get this twisted and don't take this the wrong way. All right? First of all, we've already talked about it. I recognize the fact that Lamar was a factor in this loss. There's, I'm not saying that he wasn't a factor in this loss. He absolutely did not play his best football game in this game. He played poorly. Secondly, nothing that I'm about to say has any kind of disrespect towards Joe. I respect the hell out of five. I respect the hell out of Joe and what he's done for this organization and for this city. And I thank him for everything that he's done. I've said this before. I've always, if you know me or if you followed the show, I've always been a Joe supporter. I'm also a realist. I will call him out when he doesn't play good. But I've always been a Joe supporter. All right? You know what? I should also say this because there are people out there. I hate that I even have to bring this up. And, and I'm you're do- bringing this for me. Thank I'm, you. I'm covering you and I'm covering me on this. And we're covering the show. Just covering the show. So there are a lot of people out there that try to throw the race card out there whenever this debate comes up or whenever this topic comes up. It drives me bonkers that people want to... I know it's trolls. It's people just looking for fights, looking for you know online attention, that kind of thing. But I'm putting this out there that race is absolutely not a factor in this or anything no. in, my, in my life or in my thought processes or anything. Either, so either of us. I'm not going either to pay any attention to any of that anymore. I'm not feeding into it anymore. Sometimes I get amped up too much on that kind of stuff when people go down that road. And yeah, it has nothing to do with it. But let's just think logically for a second here, right? There's a few reasons why Lamar or Joe would not have worked in this game regardless. We just talked about the O-line playing their worst game of this season. They sacked a quarterback, one of the most elusive quarterbacks, one of the most mobile quarterbacks, seven times. You put Joe in there, a statue, pocket quarterback, how many times does the defensive line get to them, get to him, right? So 
just from an offensive line standpoint and the way that they played in this game, it doesn't work there with Joe. That's one. The play calling with Marty. Yeah, you ever played Madden? You ever played Madden before? Yes. You know how like when you're playing Madden and you go to select your play, there's like three plays that pop up, yeah. right? It's like Marty didn't realize that you can hit the left and right buttons to get more plays. He was just selecting from those freaking three plays the entire game. He didn't hit the coach. The coach's uh... no coach's <laughs> suggestion. No, God, oh that would be awful if Marty's suggestions were in Madden. Oh, anyway, yeah, it was like he literally ran the same three plays the entire football game. Okay, so the play calling was so much. There was no adjustments in this game made until it was almost too late. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that they actually opened up the offense. We talked about it. Nine pass attempts through three quarters. Yeah. He had 20. 20 in the fourth quarter alone. Yeah. He had 169 yards and two touchdowns once they opened up the damn playbook. Right? Well, that's because the running game wasn't working. But what I'm saying is if they would have opened up the playbook earlier. Because it's not like the running game stopped working in the third quarter and he's like, oh, well, maybe we should open up the playbook and start passing the ball now. No. The running game wasn't working from the get-go. And they abandoned the passing game and stuck to that running through three quarters. Through three quarters. We talked about it. Nine pass attempts through three whole quarters. That's three, an average of three per quarter for those that are slow with math. That is not winning football. That is not winning football. You have to have some sort of balance. Yes, we've talked about it on the show. This team is built around being a running football team. That is what has gotten us through this 6-1 and one stretch prior to this game, running the freaking football. But we've never abandoned the passing game like they did in this game. There, to, to Sonny's credit, no adjustments at all made in this game. How can you not make the adjustments and open up the playbook sooner? Even, even midway through the second quarter, you've given it a quarter and a half, and it's just not working. At that point, open it up. This whole game changes, in my opinion, if you do that. You bring Joe Flacco in the game. The game might change. The game doesn't change for the positive. You don't know that. I, yeah, but you don't know that the game does change for the positive either. You don't know that the game does change. See what I'm doing, Sonny? I just, I just love doing this. It's just poking a bear. Joe goes, down in, <laughs> Joe goes down in week nine after the injury, right? Lamar's kind of forced into action, plays good for three weeks. Joe's fully healthy, and this organization made a decision. Lamar was the starting quarterback moving forward, and Joe was number two. You can't go back on that the first sign of adversity. This is the first time that Lamar truly, truly struggled this badly. Not only was it not working through the air, but it wasn't working on the ground either. It, it was a total struggle, right? This is the first time, and again, keep in mind, this kid, to, to uh, Stephen L. Jackson's point here, he was 21 years old. This was his first playoff experience. There's going to be jitters with that. So the first, you mean to tell me the better thing to do is the first time adversity hits, the first time this kid is put under any kind of pressure, you abandon ship and put in the veteran? Let's, let's keep in mind, Joe Flacco wasn't lighting up the world before he got, went down with the injury. 
This offense wasn't lighting up the world. We were four and five. Let me ask you a question because I've heard I've, this is a statement that I, I feel is relative. Was Joe given a chance after coming back from the injury? And the answer is no. You have no, no answer. He, he, was never, he was never given the chance. What does so that matter when the team went six and one? How do, why, does, why, why does he deserve a chance when the team was four and five with him and the team goes six and one after him? Why does he deserve a chance at that point? It's not a disrespect thing to Joe. It's more so what this team, where this team was. This team at four and five was preparing for the draft, was thinking, where are we going to finish in the draft order because it's definitely not going to be a playoff year for us. It's once they changed to Lamar, not single-handedly Lamar, the Lamar effect that changed this team and took them to six and one. Am I off base here, Sonny? No. Uh, let me start with, they were four and five under Flacco, but if Flacco would have been playing great at that four and five, let's say let's say hypothetical the defense was trash, and then Flacco was lighting up, he got injured, and Lamar did good enough just to play two or three games. Then you say, okay, you know what? That guy was just lighting it up. Let's bring him back. Flacco was doing nothing. Flacco was bad. If you take the Buffalo game out. He was spectacular in the Buffalo game, right? Mm-hmm. After that, slowly he kept playing worse and worse and worse. Right. He That's my first, the first point. week of the season. Yeah. So going to now to the play calling, it's funny because usually what happens to the Ravens under Flacco was running game didn't work, and because the running game doesn't work, we threw Flacco through 40, 50 times, right? And we're like, damn, Marty doesn't adjust. He, um, it's not Flacco's fault. He's just throwing too much. Well, I just didn't understand because, again, with Flacco, one side didn't work the run, and we went to passing. Overly did it, but we went. With Lamar, run didn't work. Instead of saying, you know what, let's throw it since the run doesn't work. No, we said, it doesn't work, let's do it again. It doesn't work, let's do it again. Isn't that the definition of insanity? Yeah, Marley, um, Marty's crazy. So, that I was just so mad when people were saying Lamar's fault, Lamar's fault, Lamar's fault. Right. Bro, don't we always with Flacco say, well, Flacco plays bad, but you know that OC, he doesn't adjust well. I'm like, why are you not giving the benefit of that to the 21-year-old? Right. Your OC should have helped him more. He's a rookie. He's young. He needs help. When Flacco was a rookie, they were heavy on Ray Rice because they knew he needed that help. And I'm not going to pull the stats out here speaking of that, but Flacco was terrible and his first few playoff starts. His defense and his team carried him through some of those. I mean, he was terrible. You think this game was bad? Go back and look at stats. I don't have him in front of me, so I can't throw him out there. Flacco's stats were awful when he was in his you know, first couple seasons. I agree. So going back to that, I just think people are being too harsh on a rookie. Agreed. They're scoring pants for the rookie. Again, that's when your coaching goes back to coaching. Your coaching should adjust, should have figured out, what do I need to do for this guy to be successful? To be honest, and goes back to what Fred said, end of the third quarter, I was like, yo, I think they should put Flacco. And you know what? It wasn't because of Lamar necessarily. It was more like, well, since they're not going to effing adjust with um, Lamar, they, we need something different. Right. We need something different. It, it, I, I would have won. And Fred said it might have been too late when they started spreading it out. It was too late because if they would have started at five minutes before – the play before uh, the series before that, maybe we would have had time at the end of the game to drive. So I think it's just insane. Insane that people are saying, like, no, it's Lamar's fault. He can't throw. 
bro, obviously he's not he's not gonna audible. He's a rookie. He's not gonna audible. He's still learning, right? Flacco really didn't audible much, but whatever. Lamar's not gonna audible, so your OC knows that, right? Right. So your OC needs to figure, yo, how I'm gonna help him. Second, I, and I'm a big fan of Harbaugh, but Harbaugh should have go back to Marty and said, yo, hold his what's feet up? to the fire. Yeah, what's up? Are we just gonna run this damn thing over and over again? Right. Let's do something different. Let's do something different. What the heck? Let's try something. Whatever. You just make something up. At this point, what you're doing doesn't work. Just figure something up and just do it. Right. Um, and, let's and, play and the back other, the other thing that kind of gets thrown to the wayside here with everybody that was clamoring for Joe Flacco. The other thing that you got to remember here is Joe Flacco hasn't played a live down of football in two months. Two months he hasn't played. So do you think he's going to come in and all of a sudden be John Elway or Dan Marino? He's never been Dan Marino. He's never been John Elway in, in, at any point in his career, maybe for eight games in 2012 where he went on that amazing playoff run. That was about it. So for people to expect Joe Flacco to have come in and been the savior, that's just crazy talk. I get it. I'm right there with you, Sonny, as far as – and that's why I said, and I said it earlier, is that the thought crossed my mind at halftime because – and it wasn't so much the thought crossed my mind because I was so disappointed in Lamar. The thought crossed my mind in, well, if Marty's going to stick with this kind of play calling with Lamar, maybe something's different if they bring in Joe. So that was my thought process. But again, I think the, the ramifications, what you do to a 21-year-old, if you abandon ship on him in the playoffs at the first sign of adversity, that has such a telling f fact or effect on him long-term. I just don't think that that's worth it. And again, there's no guarantees with anything if you bring in Joe Flacco. No, I, once they opened the playbook, Lamar did almost pull this thing off. Almost isn't isn't did. I'm but just yeah, saying. But I, there's no guarantees right, with Joe. Right, hold on, hold on a second. It goes though. to what Harbaugh said. Harbaugh said, "Would have Flacco done any better than what Lamar did?" You'll he never know. Touchdown. I mean, this is what Harbaugh said. And, and to give credit to what Fred is saying is, I think Harbaugh thought about that like. This is my guy moving forward. Right. Pulling him out is going to show his confidence. Well, they, they, just asked him, him. they asked him that at halftime, and his response was, I'm res I respect you asking me that, but I'm not going to answer it. Uh, for for the, the CBS reporter that was on the sideline, she asked him. She openly said he wouldn't give me a response. His response was, I respect you for, for asking that question. I understand it needs to be asked, but I'm not going to give you that answer because I don't have that answer. And it was, it was one of those things that was kind of telling. But – to, to kind of go here for a second with the whole Joe Lamar thing. The reason I think so many people go to that, that mindset is because when you have a rookie, look at how many rookies out there start really well in their first season or in their first few games and then fall off, right? Then you turn around and you... You go and get somebody else. I think what people look at is a veteran like Joe, despite his struggles, you're looking at it saying Joe gets a little bit more leeway than the rookie because the rookie is exactly that. He's a rookie. He hasn't been truly tested. And to your point, this was his first true test. Yeah. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces next year. You're going to hate me for making this argument. You're, you are absolutely going to hate me for making this. But do you think 
the same thing would have happened with Tim Tebow. Oh my with god. That, Are hold we on. even going to go hold, there? N- hold on because what Tim Tebow did in Denver is almost exactly reflective of what Lamar did in the Ravens run. Yes or no? I mean, I guess they have some parallels, but you're talking about two totally different quarterbacks. You're, it's, and it's, you're also talking about, again, the, the, the big elephant in the room, Marty Morningwig. Like, Marty Morningwig <laughs> is the bigger problem here. And, and to That's everybody's true. credit that is chiming in on um, YouTube on, on and, YouTube and, and, and <laughs> everywhere, Facebook. I mean, Marty's got to go. When yeah. you have a play, you know, a play caller that doesn't make in-game adjustments, you know, everybody that's out there that's chiming in that's saying that the running game didn't work, the running game didn't work, well, it didn't work because they completely abandoned the passing game at the first sign of, oh, Lamar's got a little bit of the yips, he's not throwing good, so we're going to completely abandon it. Of course, they're going to stack the box. They're not spreading the, you know, again, to, to your credit, SCG, they're not spreading the field with putting more wide receivers out there to force them off the line. Of course the running game's not going to work. You've got to make in-game adjustments if you want to see this offense flourish. And Marty proved throughout this entire run that he's not good and, and can't process, I guess, in-game adjustments on the fly. So, all right, so we're, let's, let's go down that rabbit hole now. Sonny, I'm going to ask you first. You got three hot seats right now. One of them maybe not so much. Harbaugh, mm-hmm. Morningwig, and Jerry Ros- Rossberg on special teams. There's been some hiccups, as you know, to your point, with Cyrus Jones wasn't running back kicks. He was letting it go back. Is that coaching? Is that him not being in, in his ear? Could we have had something big happen if he grabs one of those and runs it back? Who knows? We won't know. But of the three of those, who is it, who should be not who is who should be on the the hot seat the most? I would say Marty and Harbaugh not that far from it, and the reason why is Harbaugh is the head coach, and he should have gone to Marty and said, "Yo, you need to make an adjustment." And we have Greg Roman, we have other um, offensive minds. I know Harbaugh's not one, but we have other offensive minds there. They could have, if Marty wasn't, you know, willing to do, you can go to another person. That's not ideal. But, hey, what, what's happening on the field is not ideal. So, again, I think Marty was horrible. I think Harbaugh was one of his worst, worst coaching jobs probably of the year. And um, in the special teams coach, I was disappointed because I would have been Cyrus Jones. And I know people love Cyrus. But, again, for me, it wasn't even running the kickback, the punts. It was just... Fair catch it, bro. Right. There yeah. was two punts that landed around our own 45, right? So if you fair catch it, you're 10 yards, well, six yards to be in your own territory, right? Moving forward. Cyrus Jones just let it bounce, goes 10, 15, 20 yards to the back. And now two punts that were horrible when we were just losing 3-0 becomes great punts. At that point, we're trying to win the field position battle. Right. right. Chargers are not doing much. We're not doing much. Field position battle matter in that game. And their punter wasn't punting well, but we effectively let him punt well because 
what it looked like a short punt, it became a long punt. So I think all three phases were bad. Obviously, for me, the defense was spectacular, but offense, special team, I was disappointed, especially special team also, the runbacks, blocking on the special oh, team, tackling. It was horrible. Nobody was sealing the edge. Big runbacks. That was super frustrating because, again, that cost us points. Yeah. That cost us points. It wasn't like the defense was gashed by a lot of yards. Melvin Gordon was in the 40-something yards, and Philip Rivers throw about 160, I think it was. So the defense did way more than needed to be for win. But special teams and offense didn't play well. And again, goes back to the to the headmaster, right? The right. head coach, Harbaugh. Harbaugh should have gone. I don't know how. Well, the adjustment that I would have made for a special team would have been like take Cyrus Jones out. All I need somebody there that for catches the ball. Because right. Cyrus and, and Jones. That was kind of my analysis on it, too, as far as the special teams in this game. The special teams, for me, was kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type thing. Like, there was some good points about it, and there were some bad points. I mean, they did have a field goal block, and they did have the punt block in this game. So they did perform well in that sense. But just, you know, I think Jerry Rossberg kind of, he's in the right situation. I mean, he's got a future Hall of Famer field goal kicker. Guaranteed. Right. He's had a top three punter in the league his entire career here with with Sam Cook. Sam Cook didn't have a very good game in this game. He had like a 30-yard punt, I think, on one of them. So, so that was bad. You mentioned returning kicks in this game. I don't know what was going on with Chris Moore. Chris Moore was dressed. He was out there, but he wasn't returning kicks. And was it just me, or did Ty Montgomery look slow? Yeah, no, he did I mean, he looked slow. There were multiple times where he fielded the ball somewhere around, like, the five-yard line and could only get out to, like, the 20. Yeah, he wasn't. It, there was one time where he only got to, like, the 15. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what the thought process was there. I don't know if there was some kind of injury that prevented Chris Moore from being back there and returning kicks, but that was a problem. And to your point, they gave up way too many returns the field position, the flipping of field, it was just it was awful in this game from a special team standpoint. And I feel like Jerry Rossberg has gotten a pass through the years because he's 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 got a future Hall of Famer, like I said, and, and Tucker, well, he's got a great punter in Cook. Does he also get a pass because maybe it's not always him making the play call since John Harbaugh is known to be a special teams yeah, kind of guy? Mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how much influence. Obviously, you're right. Harbaugh is a special teams guy. It's where he was, you know, that's, that's his specialty. I don't know how much influence he has. But getting back to the, your question at hand, I really think – Marty Mordingwig, first and foremost, needs to go. We, I was watching a video, uh, our friend Joe Nubo on YouTube uh, a couple minutes ago, where he posted a video. Every time he gets an alert on his phone, he's looking down to see if Marty's been fired from the Ravens yet. <laughs> and, and I'm right there with him. Like, I, 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 like, that needs to happen yesterday. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Harbaugh, and I was early on in the year, I was kind of, I, th- I was calling for his name. I thought he should be fired. And I'm still kind of so-so on it. The one thing I'll say about Harbaugh, and I think that this this is a big factor when you're talking about head coaches, is how does he control his locker room? How does he how does he influence or, or what's his effect on his players? And he's obviously a players coach. Like the players love playing for him, and everybody that's spoken out about the situation has spoken very highly about Harbaugh. The biggest problem that I have with Harbaugh is. He's just too loyal. He's loyal to a fault. And 
again, like we said earlier, he doesn't hold his guy's feet to the fire enough. I, I would have loved to have seen Harbaugh in Marty's face on the sideline, like we've seen with some of the great coaches in the past, just yelling at him, just digging into him. What are you doing? What are you doing? Even if Harbaugh's not an offensive guy and he can't say, well, hand me the playbook, I'm taking this thing over because that's not his thing, he's not an offensive coordinator, I would have loved to have seen him just get in Marty's face and say, this shit needs to change. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, what, you, that's what you want, but to your point – it's John Loyal Harbaugh. I mean, that's his middle name. He is loyal to his guys to a fault. You know, and from a, an overall Baltimore sports standpoint, some of the stuff that we've seen with, with John Harbaugh is things that we actually kind of saw in Buck, you know, with the yeah. Orioles, where he just gets so loyal to some of these guys that you're like, how are you still here? It's ridiculous. If this is on any other team, you're gone. And you're gone two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But the problem is, and here's, here's where I stand on it. Marty, I agree with both of you. Marty's feet should be on the, on the hot stove to shoot the rocket out of here. They should be chopped off. He should be gone. He, he, he should be. But you want to know who saved the day? Your boy Lamar. Because with Marty Mortingwig under the helm, he led this team. To what, a 6-2 finish? I don't think that, that that justifies saving him. It's under his watch. He's making the play calls. You're talking about play calls, and he made the play calls with this rookie in, in great moves and doing all this. Let's not get it twisted. Hold, hold on a second. So it's not how Lamar played as a quarterback. It was the Lamar effect, right? That was the whole hashtag. And it, it was the time of possession and, and the defense being re, you know, refreshed and being more efficient. It, it, it had to do with the schedule and the teams that we were playing against and how porous they were against the run. There were a lot of factors in why this offense was successful as they were. That schedule completely changes in 2019. Yeah. We're not going against so do the teams. seven. Right, we're not going against seven teams in a row that are in the bottom half of the league as far as run defense goes. So all the stars aligned to make Marty and his play calling look better than what it was. Right. So it's not. It's not that Marty saved the day with his play calling and this shift of focus with Lamar in the offense. It was a lot of other factors that went into it. It was the effect. It was the Lamar effect, and it was the scheduling and the opportunities that we had, the teams that we were you going know that, against. You know that's the first time I've heard you say it was the scheduling. That's the first time. No, I told you from the very beginning. <laughs> I said, what, what did I say? I said, why does Lamar work better right now, right now, than Joe? I, Look at the schedule. Who are I we know, going against? I know. I'm just, I'm, That's what I said. I never said it. I'm just poking the bear again. I'm just poking the bear. <laughs> I mean, so what, what's your take on that, SCJ? I mean, do you, do you think that Marty was the savior here in, these, in this 6-2 no. run? So let's start with a broken clock is right twice a day, right? He will do probably the things that they were probably good. I cannot say that he was utterly incompetent in every single aspect, although right. he looks like it. But let's let's give him credit for something. I actually think in the um, the reports were that Greg Roman was working with Lamar a lot. I think Roman was probably the one developing, working on Lamar a little bit more, and Marty was figuring out what place to call around Lamar. 
the place that we call, they were, I mean, you didn't have to be a genius to figure out we were going to run right, we were going to run middle. Lamar was making a lot of the plays just for reading the end, right? Right. He has the natural ability to hit, to, to read that outside linebacker or the end and figure out, is that guy collapsing? Well, let me take the ball out and run it out. Or is that guy open to just wait for me? So let me let it go to Gus and he can gut it to the middle, right? Right. He has a natural ability to do that. That helped Marty a lot. Because Marty wasn't really, our offense hasn't been creative under Lamar. We've just been running all over people. But it wasn't being like, holy crap, look at this creative offense. Um, but it worked, right? Right. And like um, Fred said, time of possession helped because then the defense was fresh. And we kept getting more and more opportunities. Right. And just running the ball, running the ball, defenses were getting tired. You will see games that at the beginning, our running game wasn't really that great. But we were doing like three yards, five yards, a little bit. But by the end of the game, we're just exploding with just big runs because... The defense was tired. Right. I give uh, Marty, I don't know, 5% credit maybe. Uh, I want him <laughs> That's out. That's about right. I will say if the Ravens want to call me, I will help him pack. Uh, I will yeah. take him to the airport. Exactly. Um, I don't want him here. I, I, haven't want, I haven't been wanting him here for a while. The sad part is we have been saying that a lot about offensive coordinators. Other than Kubiak, every other offensive coordinator hasn't been great in – we have the inability to draft wide receivers, right? Our wide receivers are never, we haven't been solid. Other than Torrey Smith, my boy, I love Torrey Smith. But other than him, you know, we brought um, um, uh, Smith Sr. But in bolding, but those are just pickups. We, we cannot develop a guy. I will say our wide receivers coach needs to go too. Yeah, so we haven't talked about Ingram, but he needs to go. When you cannot develop any receivers, now, with and we drafted Scott and lastly and even more wasn't developed really I mean he was more of a special teamer guy right. and one big play here or there I mean we had gone through so many receivers and we can develop it that's another coach that I think I think Marty and him need to go both of them need to go um, I, can, I, can't, I can't disagree with that I, I'm right there with you I think both of those guys their jobs are definitely in question and I will personally escort them to the to the <laughs> airport as well if they need that uh, if they need an Uber, I will be Uber for the day. But but one more topic that I do want to cover with the Ravens before we transition and before we move on. Um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a wrap on the 2018 season. There's a lot of look. In my opinion, the future for this team is bright. There's a lot of things good that can come away from this season, and 2019 is going to be a big opportunity for us. We're going to have a lot of cap space for the first time in a very very long time which could be even bigger if some of these other players that we have on the rosters and, and end up being cap casualties. So we could have a lot of cap space if that's the case. So let's talk a little bit about some of these players um, and some of the decisions that the team needs to make. Let's start with the big one, uh, the big contract that's coming up, C.J. Mosley, a guy that is going to demand a decent amount of money SCG, what's your take on you know on CJ Mosley? Is he worth the money? Would you like to see the Ravens retain him? What's your take on CJ? So I go back and forth with Mosley. I think if the price is right, I think he, he is going to demand um, top dollars for a middle linebacker. Uh, he's not as good, at, in my opinion, as um, Wagner. He's not as good as um, Keekley. Right. 
I think um, Smith from the Cowboys will be better than him in a couple years. Um, but that being said, the problem that we have with mostly is, is he doesn't do good when he covers man-to-man, right? Right. But I can argue what other middle linebacker really covers good man-to-man. Kickley, Wagner's not really that great man-to-man. But what mostly does good that we don't get him credit, he's very good in a zone coverage. Yeah. He he can he, he has a vision for the ball and he has good hands for, for the pick. He can find the ball. And I think sometimes we get lost, especially this year. Our defense was playing so much so much man to man that mostly have to play man to man. But when he zones out, I think he's really good as a middle linebacker. He's really good calling plays, he's good at tackling, he's a thumper, he's a good leader. I think you should keep him. Um, that being said, I don't want to break the bank for him. I think right. um, he's going to be top five, but not not the top, in yeah. my opinion. I, I'm right there with you. I was thinking about this earlier when I when I wrote down the question is, and I looked at you, uh, Luke Keekley's contract specifically because he just got a new contract uh, not too long ago, and I feel like he's going to be in that realm. I think like if you could get if you could get C.J. Mosley. For five years at fifty-five million, an average of eleven million a year, maybe like twenty-five to thirty million dollars guarantee. He's worth it. He's not quite what Luke Keekley's worth, and I think that that's basically where the market will be. There could be a linebacker or hungry team that may pay a little bit more than that because they need you know they need linebacker help. And at that point, I would not get into a bidding war for him. Um, I just think that he can he can be replaced i like what i saw out of kenny young there's still some work and some development that that's needed there but i you know we do give a lot of a lot of grief to cj and his ability to cover i think the bigger problem with that is the the lack of coverage on the back end as far as safety goes not having that that true free safety that guy that can roam that can give CJ help over the top because if if you go out and you find yourself a rangy free safety that that takes and alleviates some of that coverage off of CJ Mosley and he becomes a better player because of it he's great against the run he is good in in zone coverage uh, so there's a lot of positives, there's a lot of good things to like about CJ, but yeah, I, I don't think he's worth breaking the bank over. No, I, I mean I'm right in line with the market, two, guys. Right sorry, in line I, with the two of you guys. It's one of those things to me when you look at his abilities. And, and look, I know that we knock him; he's made some good ones. I did question uh, last week when he decided to say that he was in coverage. And clearly, you were you were involved in the pass rush when he made that interception at the end of the game. Yeah, he backed off like at the last. Second. As he's being pushed back, by right. the way, let's not right. forget this. He's being pushed back. The guy let go of him about a second before he gets the ball. But that's one of the things that I've always been critical of him. I don't think he look. Is he a good linebacker? Yes. Can he play some some decent zone coverage? Yes. Is he a top tier? zone coverage guy in my opinion i don't think so because if he was these tight ends wouldn't be able to be hit across the middle all day long when he's in, in, back in pass coverage so okay, that so go go ahead. Ahead. I, i'm just gonna add to what you're saying tell me which ones are tell me five they're better than him in coverage because the problem is we talked that most he's not great in coverage as a middle linebacker it's just the, that position those players are not great as coverage linebackers right they're just not. So we knock our guy because it's the guy that we see. Right. But it's just 
we're not. I think most is getting franchised, to be honest, and they're going to work a deal instead of let him hit the open market and um, get into a bidding war. That's just my opinion. Connor, so, Bur- uh, Connor Burke on YouTube brings up Deshaun Elliott, and he's still kind of an unknown factor. Everything that I saw from him uh, in training camp, uh, the little bit that you know he was there before he got hurt, I really like what I saw out of this kid. I, I just He's just kind of an unproven commodity at this point. He's really young, so maybe we have that that rangy kind of free safety as free safety already on the roster in him but we'll we'll have to see he's more to me in what i saw is he's more of a thumper uh he's more of that i, I don't want to he's kind of bernard pollard with a little bit better range a little bit better coverage um but that's just kind of what i saw he's got a good nose for the football uh he's very his his football iq is very good uh, but, you know, he's also coming back off a pretty serious injury. So we'll see what happens with the Sean Elliott. But, yeah, I, I think CJ, for the right price, I think you do go and you resign him if you can, again, get him for the, you know, without breaking the bank. Uh, but some of these other guys, right? So, so we got a couple of guys that are potential cap cuts. And a couple of these guys, I'll go right down the list. Jimmy Smith, up and down year. Still, still a good cornerback. But, you know, with Jimmy, he, he's, he's been injury prone. He was getting beat the latter half of this year. He's been injury prone. He's had some off-the-field issues. There's, there's a lot with Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith, the football player, I still think he can be a heck of a corner. And if down the road, we've talked about this on the show, if, if down the road you transition him to safety, I think he could be a good safety later on in his career, but he could still be an effective corner in this league. It's just there's a lot of other things that you've got to consider with Jimmy. Then you've got you know Eric Weddle, who said in his recent press conference that he feels as though he can still play. He wants to play out his last year deal here in Baltimore, but if the Ravens feel like they're going to go elsewhere, um, that he would retire at that point and wouldn't go play else anywhere else. You got Tony Jefferson, still a young safety. I think he can be a good safety. He can be a good box safety if you pair him with that rangy safety that we talked about. So there's a decision to be made there. And then from the wide receiver standpoint, Michael Crabtree. Yeah. You know, does he fit into this offense, into this style of offense? In my opinion, no. Um, and the amount of money that you could save by cutting him. So, SCG, what's, what's your take on any of those guys? There's somebody that jumps out to you that you immediately want to get rid of out of that list? So, so you have a decision to make with Jimmy, right? Uh, right. There's also Brandon Carr. Brandon Carr, 7 mil against the cap. Right. And Jimmy, as I look at here, is 15. So, obviously, Jimmy is extremely high. I don't think you should cut both. Um, in my opinion, I would like to have both. How I will approach this is I will cut Jimmy Smith and say, I can give you, I don't know, four or five mil. That's as much as I can give you. If you find more in the open market, good for you. But you you have to keep one or two. And I will keep Carr because he, that boy, doesn't get injured. Right. And just, just because. Model of I, consistency. I, yeah, but and I like Averitt, right, coming mm-hmm. up, and Carr can be that transition, and then maybe the following year you can get out of Carr. Well, Weddle goes back to the cap. Weddle's cap is 9.25, and you have a 7.5 mil saving for him, which is huge. What I will do with Weddle is I will ask him for a pay cut and say, I'm going to give you a pay cut, but I want to transition to Elliott. I want you to be the mentor. I think Weddle wants to be a coach. I think if we keep Harva, Harva wants Weddle to be a coach, and he can be the coach in the field. He can just help um, him transition. 
Crabtree, Crabtree 7 mil, I think it was, or something like that. Around that, yeah. Yeah, I think Crabtree. I go back and forth with Crabtree because I, the problem with letting Crabtree grow is who replaces him, right? And it's going to be hard for us to attract a lot of free agents, but I'm, I'm okay if they let him go. Yeah. Um, with, with Jefferson, I love Jefferson. I know people mock Jefferson out. I think he's a hell of a box safety. Right. Um, it's just, again, it's the same thing with CJ. Uh, people say, well, he can cover. Actually, if you look at Jefferson, he was in good position when he was covering this year. Oh, man, the man. The problem with Jefferson, he's a little bit undersized. So when you cover those big tight ends, the ball was coming high. He was there to make the tackle, but not to bat the ball down. Right. Um, so I think you do a couple of things. Obviously, Flacco's gone, so we don't have to talk about them about him. You cut Jimmy again because it's just 16 mils hard to swallow, and you have a nine and a half mil savings. Uh, I think Crabtree's probably gone. I think Brandon Carr stays, and I think with Weddle, they're probably gonna ask him to if he can take some sort of a pay cut. And again, with Jimmy, if the price is right, bring him back. Because, to be honest, I would love to see that defense come back, especially in the secondary, come back again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree with everything he says. Do you have anything yeah, I mean, you want to add? The only thing that I, I would add is, you know, with Weddle, we've been really critical of Weddle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the one thing that I, I don't think it, it's a question, I think you bring Weddle back at a pay cut and say, look, it's not going to be an all or nothing year for you. You'll get you'll get some playing time, right? You know, but to Sonny's credit, you you if you want to come back, we're more than willing to have you for this this price tag. But no, it's in a mentor role. You're you're more in a mentor role at that right. point, uh, and and then that gives him you know to Sonny's point. I th- I think he's right. I th- I would love to see him you know as as a DB coach. You know, maybe eventually as a defensive coordinator down the road. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely no questioning his 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 football IQ. He's super smart. Yeah, that's if anything, if we've given him any credit this year, it's always been about his ability to put people in positions and his his ability but to be able to read a defense on the field. Sometimes his ability to put people in positions worked to his detriment, where he wound up being out of position oh, right. in that situation because he's he's up at that up closer to the line trying to get guys where they need to be, and he's not back where he actually needs to be. That's the right. problem with having a safety doing the play calls on the field because he's got to get back to his position, but he's got to make sure everybody at the line, everybody, all the middle linebackers, he's got to make sure that the cornerbacks know what's going on. He's got to make sure everybody's in position, and then he's got to run back to the farthest back in the field. Right. So that's one of the things that I, I always said from the get-go. I thought C.J. Mosley should have been the, the play caller out there. I didn't think Weddle should have been the play caller. Just because he was out, it put him out of position. So I, I think that's the way you go. I think that's the best option that you give. Um, right. As far as Jimmy Smith, we've got a, a, an abundance of DBs. I'd like to see somebody else get a chance. If you do give him a pay cut or something, I'd, I'd love to see somebody else kind of step up here uh, and give them a chance. We've been, we've been playing a little bit of DB by committee in some of these games. Uh, so I, I think I'd like to see somebody settle into a little bit more long-term role, and Jimmy's the open spot that I feel like, well, maybe I'm willing to let that go to, 
to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, as, as much as we struggled for years with DBs and not having the depth at DB, like that's one position right now that we actually do have a little bit of riches at. We do have some depth at, and there are some younger guys on this roster. Uh, Anthony Averett's a guy that uh, he showed flashes this year. I think that he could get a little bit more playing time next year, and maybe even if we, you know, if we do eventually go down the road of, of letting Jimmy Smith go, maybe he becomes a starter down the road. Uh, you know, Brandon Carr, again, model of consistency. Tavon Young had a, a pretty solid season for all intents and purposes. I think he's a top five slot corner. You know, I think he's, he's a, a great nickel corner. Um, so uh, there's a lot of depth there at DB. But we got to move on. I, we were already over an hour talking about the Ravens. Um, that, just so you guys know, uh, even though the Ravens season's over at this point, uh, that does not end our Ravens discussion on the show. I know we do cover all of Maryland sports on this show, but uh, we are still week in and week out going to be talking. we got to have something so to talk about next week. We definitely, we'll, <laughs> we'll have something to talk about. But you know what, Sonny, while, while we got you on the show, we, our next segment, we actually do um, our playoff predictions. Um, and I'm going to include you in on this, man. You, uh, you want to go through some of these games and just uh, give me your picks on them? Let's do it. All right, man. All right, let's go. So, so last week, the three of us, me, Scott, and Ryan, all went one and three on the week. Uh, didn't have didn't have a very good selection week uh, this week. I know Sonny said he went what three and one. You went said? three and one, man. That's, you have uh, my video that's on the impressive. record. You, you have it somewhere. Can yeah. I guess? Yeah. Can, can I guess which one you got wrong? <laughs> no, don't talk about that. Because <laughs> guess what? Yeah, we all got it. We wrong. all got that one wrong. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we already know the Chargers beat the Ravens 23-17. to The Colts go into Houston uh, and beat, shut down Houston's offense. Deshaun Watson looked awful in that game. Colts win that one 21-7. They also got demolished by the Texans' defense. Or the, I'm sorry, the, they also demolished the Texans' defense. Nobody, yeah. I didn't expect that a Texans' defense to give up 21 points in this game. Did you see Quentin Nelson drive Jadavian Clowney uh, into the ground? Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> that was ridiculous. He handled him like he was nothing. We I, called just, that game. Right. On Unreal, YouTube. man. Unreal. But <laughs> that was the one game I got right. I, I, I thought that the Colts would actually go into Houston. They're they a red-hot team. I thought they were good on defense. And Houston, you know, yes, they had gone on a long run, but they had never really, like, blown any teams out. They won a lot of games, but, they you know, they, they kept a lot of games closer than they should have been. So, yes, they got a lot of wins there, and they won, ended up winning the division. But I, I liked Indianapolis, and I still like Indianapolis at this point going into next week. Uh, but then we had the uh, Seahawks and Cowboys in Dallas. I had the Seahawks winning this game, but the Cowboys ended up pulling it off 24-22 to to Scott's credit. That's my one win. Scott had this one right. <laughs> I, uh, I actually had this, by the way, I had this score 24-20. to Yeah, pretty darn close. 24-22, to and you had a 24-20. Pretty impressive. Eagles. Foles Magic works again somehow in Chicago. This was the one. This was the one. If you know, Jeremy Kahn on 105.7 talks about concrete locks of the game. Like this, if I had to pick a concrete lock of the week, this was the we game thought I thought this, for yeah. sure. No way Philadelphia goes what? into Chicago and beats them. No way. I know you were high, uh, Sonny, on uh, the Eagles in this game. I know you ended up picking them. You were the one in our group video that actually picked them, and you got it right, man. I I, I am not a believer in Foles Magic. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't go like – all out on this. I mean, it was a 16 to 15 game. It wasn't like, I mean, let's be real. The offense didn't exactly tear apart 
the Bears' defense. No. But they did enough of a job to get it done. But so, so news, Sonny, I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, I was actually – this is like my back – one of my backup topics mm-hmm. for our two-minute warning. Rex Ryan uh, came out and was blaming, you know, Cody Parker for the – Parkey for the mixed, missed field goal in that game and how, you know, it was wide left. He hits, a, he hits the upright, then hits the crossbar. You know, he should have hit it. Today, in later news in the NFL, the NFL switched that call to a blocked field goal because Trayvon Hester tipped the ball at the line. And if you actually look at it, they had to, like, zoom in on slow-mo. It act- you actually watch his fingertips jolt back from hitting the ball. So you have to kind of give the kid a little bit of an okay of, like, all right, it came out. that. But when we all looked at that in live time, I, I thought he straight out missed it. Me too. I, I didn't. I didn't see the tip, but he, that kind of saves the day for him. He should be sending a, uh, a gift basket to Trayvon. Hester Maybe if right you now. slow down the instant replay fast enough, like Foles turned into the Flash and flashed out <laughs> on the right? field, lifted him up high enough just to get enough of the tip, and then went back off the field. It was so fast you couldn't see it. This whole Foles magic thing, I think it's ridiculous, but somehow it's somehow it real. Somehow it works, man. Somehow it works, but uh, yeah, Eagles win that game on a missed field goal that not only hit the uh, the post, but it hit the crossbar as well. Unreal finish to that game. But let's get into this week. So we'll start with the uh, the earliest game and work to the latest game. So Saturday, four twenty-five, we got the six seed Colts going into Kansas City to take on the number one seed Chiefs. SCG, Sonny, I'll let you start off with this one, man. What's your uh, take on this game? So I liked the Colts last week, and I thought it was because those two teams knew each other, but I felt like the Texans were just trending down and the Colts were trending up. If the Colts and Luck would have been healthy at the beginning of the year, they would have taken the division. That being said, I don't like dumb teams going to a really, really cold place, um, especially when the quarterback is my homeboy, uh, Mahomes. <laughs> I just think that offense is going to be too much for the Colts. I think the Colts are going to be ridiculous good next year, and they're going to be probably contending for championship when they have nine picks and 100 million in cap next year. But this is where their run ends. I think Mahomes, that offense is too good. I think the Colts even is better than people give him credit. It's just they haven't seen that offense. Yeah, so you're going I with just, the Chiefs in this Yeah, one. the Chiefs. All right, Scott. All right, I've got this a Chiefs win as well. I think it's. I've got this being another two point game. Uh, I've got this being thirty to twenty eight with the Chiefs. I agree with what Sonny said. I, I just don't think the Colts' offense has seen, or the Colts' defense. I'm sorry, has seen an offense quite like this Mahomes led offense. And Sonny, I know you were waiting to use use that Mahomes line. I, I know that was you were waiting for that. <laughs> he was itching to use it. Uh, but for me, I, I just think it, it's it's not going to be a it, it's going to be a shoot, shootout game yeah. from these two offenses because the defenses, while the Colts defense is doing a little bit better, I I just don't think they've little seen bit. an offense. Well, I, when I say a little bit better, I'm I'm referencing the fact that the defense has been a little bit more of the one consistent thing for them. Uh, they're a pretty balanced team. I, you yeah. know, it's talking about Indianapolis, so. Ryan and I went the other way in this game, but Ryan and I both go the Colts. I see the Colts winning this one 32-28, and here's why. I think there's no denying what Pat Mahomes has done and, and what this offense can do. But when you look at what they've done since they've lost Kareem Hunt, 
this offense has become very much one-dimensional. Now, that doesn't mean that this offense can't be effective because, let's not forget, you've got Pat Mahomes and what he can do with the ball is unreal. But I think the loss of Kareem Hunt is kind of going under the radar and people really aren't talking about it very much. This team, in their last six games, lost three games. They lost three of their last six. So you just brought up the defense. The other factor in this game is Kansas City's defense is – the worst defense in the league if they're not 32 they're 31 they're right there they're at the very very bottom of the league in total defense indianapolis offense is clicking on all cylinders i do think to your point this being a dome team going into a hostile environment in kansas city plays a factor in this game for sure um so i i wasn't like right off the bat yes indy wins this game easy i had to really give it some thought and really think about it but i think at the end of the day, what Andrew Luck's been able to prove to everybody, you know, it, it, as far as putting all the naysayers aside with his arm strength and coming out there and doing what he's doing again, you take Mahomes and Breeze out of the picture, he's right there in the MVP talks as, the, as far as the season that he's having. Mack has been running the ball very effectively, and he's yeah. going to do so against Kansas City in this game. I think the Colts win this one 32-28. Ryan has it 28-24 Colts. We'll move on to the Saturday night game. It's the NFC game where it's got the number four Dallas Cowboys going into L.A. to take on the two-seeded Rams. Scott, I'll let you lead off with this one. Uh, I've got this one uh, being yet another close game, a one-point game here. Going to come down to a last-second score. I'm going to go, you know me, I like my bold predictions. I like. I love, I love just doing it because then when I'm running, I'm like, see? I told you so. <laughs> Not like an old man. <laughs> anyway, I'm going Cowboys 28-27 with a last-minute score from Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper to Ooh. seal what I've been talking about with the two of them have just been on the same page. Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a big game against this Rams defense, uh, but I also see – Dak having a fairly solid game as well. So I, I've got the Cowboys winning this again, 28-27. Sonny, what do you have here? Oh, my God. This is why you're 1-3. Um, <laughs> Just remember, he's 1-3, too. I was. Yeah. So I think the Rams are healthy. They um, they had Gurley that was, had a, like a nagging injury getting better. I think this team... The Cowboys, I was disappointed how close they made the game against Seattle, right? That game against Seattle shouldn't have been that close. Seattle's not a good road team. This is not going to be a real game for um, the Cowboys. But the Cowboys defense, which has been great, hasn't been playing great lately, in my opinion. They right. were really good, and they haven't been playing greatly. Let's also talk about Amari. Amari Cooper got there, and he was litting it up. But if you see the last couple of games, he hasn't been as great. He almost looked frustrated in the Seattle, uh, against Seattle in that game. I think, again, the firepower of the Rams is just going to be too much. It's not that I think the Rams are like this unstoppable team. I just think the Cowboys' run is going to end here. I think the defense not being as consistent. And for some reason, you'll see the Cowboys panic and go away from the running game. They, for some reason, tend to do that. And they're going to demand too much from Dak Prescott, and then we're going to see his flaws, and they're just going to lose. All right, so you got the Rams in this one. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. I've got the Rams winning this one 27-24. I think that 
to your point, the Rams are the healthiest that they've been all year. You went out and signed some big free agents in the offseason, one in particular, Nadamakansu. I think that this, the spotlight with it being the playoffs, you're going to see the nasty Sue, the guy that everybody loves to hate. Uh, you're going to see that come out. You pair him with Aaron Donald in the middle. They are going to be creating all kinds of havoc for Dak Prescott. Uh, and that's, that's when Dak Prescott is at his worst. When he's under pressure and he has no time, he makes a ton of mistakes. He's not a veteran quarterback yet, so you see a lot of the, you know, he'll, he'll throw ill-advised throws to get rid of the ball, and he'll end up turning the right. ball over, and I think that's going to get costly in this game. Uh, I do think, what you know, I've said it every week, I do think Amari Cooper has made this team more complete. It's made it more balanced on offense, so they have definitely improved since they've gotten him in there, but going up against this L.A. team, playing at home in L.A., uh, in the warm weather, Jared Goff's a much better quarterback at home in the warm weather, so I like the Rams in this one. Ryan is there with me as well. He's got the Rams in more of a, uh, uh, a not a blowout, but in, in bigger fashion. He's got this one, 31-17 to 17 Rams. Um, so let's start with the Sunday, 1 o'clock game. You got those L.A. Chargers that just came in here and did what they did against our Ravens, the number five seed, going up to Foxborough and taking on the New England Patriots, the number two seed. Sonny, lead it off. So I'm very thorn in this game because uh, I didn't mention this when we were talking about the game, but Philip Rivers for me has become public enemy number one. Not because he beat us, it's what he did to Judah as he was down, trash talking him, saying this is what you get. Now, so my heart says go Patriots. Just I want him. I want them to kill the Chargers. But if I just take my emotions out, I think the Chargers are a little bit better team. I I thought. Either the Ravens or the Chargers was going to beat New England. So I have the Chargers winning this game. I think New England's looking old. and I, This is the first year that we're going to see the dynasty take a hit and start, you know, digressing. So I have um, the Chargers winning this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, that's what I was saying in our, in our last picks about uh, New England is that they just, to me, this is the first time that they've looked slow to me. They look old as a football team. They look vulnerable. Now, I mean, they are the New England Patriots. It is Bill Belichick. It is Tom Brady. So they are by no means going to roll over and lose this game easily. It's going to be a close game. But I picked the Chargers as my sleeper team coming into this year. I said that Phil Rivers may have an MVP-type year and may get his first shot at a Super Bowl this year. Go back to before yeah. the, the the season started. That's what I said, and I'm still going to ride that out. I hated that I had to pick against him, and you know, in the first round, uh, you know, going against our Ravens and everything. But uh, he's proven me right. I mean, he's had a great year. This Chargers team again, very well balanced on both sides of the ball. Bosa and Ingram are going to create all kinds of problems for Tom Brady, uh, the the statue that is Tom Brady. I like the Chargers in this one, 30-24. to 24. This looks to me like I think it's a clean sweep across the board with all of us, right, Scott? Yeah, Ryan had it at 21-20. I had it at 30-17. We all were, were in a clean sweep across this as far as, as who's there. You know, The big thing that's hurting this, this Patriots team right now is that they have a 21st-ranked defense. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you look at that, what Phillip Rivers can do to middle-of-the-road or low-end defenses, it, it's – it's irremar- It's remarkable and it's irreplaceable as far as what he can do. And I, I think, you know, to your point, what you said early in the season, 
they're the sleeper at this point. They're the number number five. Or I'm sorry, number six seed. Um, no, number five. five sorry, right, right. six six was the Colts. Uh, they're the number five seed coming into this, so they're they're a little bit of a you know an underdog. There was actually a stat they had during the Ravens game that no team to ever to play in a divisional round in the past. Uh, I think it was something like five or ten years has made it to the Super Bowl. Hmm. So that the, they were, in a, I think it was five. I think it was five, but then there was a, there was I another think the Ravens before in that. 2012 were the fifth seed, weren't they? They were the fourth. Oh, were they, they the they fourth seed? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I mean, it's it's quite an interesting piece to to hear that, see that. Yeah. Uh, but moving forward, I, I think it's I think it's a clean sweep. I think the, we all agree the Chargers are going to do it here. It's just by how much. All right. Um, and then the last game on the on the the totem here, the Sunday 4:40 game. You've got, you've got Foles Magic, the number six seed. Philadelphia Eagles going into New Orleans and taking the number one overall seed, Saints, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. I could go on and on and on with the weapons that that's, that the New Orleans has out there. This one for me, this one would have been a no-brainer pick for me. This would have been a real easy pick for me to just say, yep, Saints win this game. But there's two things. One, the Saints really haven't been the same Saint team since the Cowboys game, since the Cowboys shut them down and kind of gave the blueprint to the NFL as far as how to stop this offense. So defenses have been kind of game planning a little bit differently. There's that. And then there's this whole BS Foles magic thing that, you know, I, I guess it's I guess it's real. Somehow it's it's gotten them through a Super Bowl and it's got them through the first round here, but um, I do, I do have the Saints winning this game. I think they win this thirty-three to twenty-seven. Sonny, how do you get it? So I told you, false magic last time, right? This is where false magic ends. Forty-eight-seven uh, <laughs> was the score last right. time that this team's played. It was a blowout. This team barely beat the Bears, and the reason I picked the Eagles was, even though that Bears team defense is nasty. That offense is average. They have a good running game, but other than that, I mean, their passing is it's average at best. Now you're having the Saints, which they can run you the ball, right, with Kamara. They can also have the backs catch the ball. Right. They have Michael Thomas out there just running crazy. Plus, you have the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL. They just broke the record. Right. I don't see it close. At home think, in the dome, too. Exactly. Right. I don't, and this is what happened. It was at home with Wentz. Now, that being said, if this bad boy uh, falls, pulls this game, I think you get rid of Wentz. Because at this point, there's no explanation for this crap. You just figure, <laughs> we, have, we have Jesus playing quarterback for us. Just whatever. I mean, uh, I, I think the Saints going to blow up. But if, they, if the Eagles pull it, Wow, there is going to be a quarterback controversy yeah. in Philadelphia. That's a good point. I mean, I, I still believe that Carson Wentz can be a franchise quarterback. I, I don't think that he, – he definitely has the skill set to be a very effective quarterback in this league. But I, I still think, and we've talked about this multiple times, I think the loss of Frank Reich was huge for this offense and huge for Carson Wentz. And there's an adjustment period that needs to go on with that. And then the injury – and there was just a lot of factors as to why Carson Wentz wasn't playing up to his potential to you know what we saw prior to the injury but you're right I mean if he somehow pulls off back-to-back Super Bowls 
This one would be the most impressive, obviously taking a team that was out of the playoffs at that point and then kind of single-handedly getting them in by the skin of their teeth to the playoffs and then pull off a Super Bowl. Yeah, that, it definitely would be a controversy. Yeah. Scott, how do you see this one going? Well, I, you know, this is, this is another clean 3-1. Uh, to one. Uh, I'm going Foles Magic here. Uh, I, I think Foles has shown something not once but twice. And, look, they didn't light up that Bears defense. But they held their own against the Bears defense. Yeah. And I think when you look at the Bears defense, you know, there's been some, some holes and some things that we've that we talked about in some of these games with the Saints, and the Saints defense has not been the same. Uh, I think this is a game in which you see Foles magic. And this look, this team is riding high. They, they are the underdog. They're the team that, that is, you know, the defending champions. Right. So they, they've got two kind of things that they're – Everybody's saying, oh, well, there's not many teams out there that can do it. You can't do that with, with Foles like Brady has done. Look, th- this team has something to prove, and they are ready. They are ready to go, and they want to they wanna show the world what's going on and what better way than to go in New Orleans and show up Drew Brees, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. No doubt that would be super impressive. I just don't see it. I, look, look, I don't have it being a blowout. I've got to be in 27-24. Right, I mean, right. it's not like I'm saying this is going – I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout between the two offenses, uh, but I don't, I don't see this being a, a defensive game by any means. I think both, both quarterbacks will put up good, decent numbers, but I think you see Foles just outplay by a hair outplay Drew Brees in this game. All right, so and Ryan is on the right side. He's on our side, Sonny. <laughs> yeah. He's good. got uh, Saints winning this one, 24 to 21. Uh, Sonny, appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you taking Anytime. time out, man. It, it, was, it was fun. It always is fun. Take a second, man. Tell everybody where they can find you and things that you're working on, man. So, guys, uh, you can find me at SCG Sports, like we said at the beginning, on YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook and IG that I just started. I, I do engage with fans, so if you write to me, I try to be responses fairly quick. If you write any comments on the video, I will respond to your comments. Um, so we're going to be in the offseason. Videos that I'm coming with is I'm going to do a video of the breakout, the offense, who should stay, who should go, one on the defense, who should stay, who should go, what free agencies that I see fitting, not just names, right, because it has to fit the cap. And then I'm going to start breaking down some players that I like coming to the team from the draft side. So, like always, guys, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm looking for my – I'm getting to near the 150 um, subscribers. When we reach the 150 subscribers on YouTube, there's another giveaway. So, um, go to my channel and subscribe. Awesome. Make sure you go find him. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. He's on YouTube. Go subscribe to his channel. Go like his page on Facebook, at SCG Sports. Sonny. Appreciate you bringing on, man. Always a good time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, brother. Hi, man. See you, man. All right. So, wow. That was an hour and 25 minutes that we went on there (laughs) about the Ravens. Look, and it was worth it. We needed – there were so many things that we needed to talk about and so many things that we needed to cover. So, And, look, we had so many – it's time for social media shout-out. We had so many people commenting. Jim actually just just commented on YouTube, said, friend – Fred and Barney, hey, I'm not Barney here. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> need to engage with this chat line to get more than seven in here. Look, it is hard. When we have a guest on, we do try to focus on the guest. We, we, you know, we call out a few. A lot of you guys are making the same comments, so we can't always say everybody. But I'm going to just run through everybody that I've got over here. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take me a second because I'm, uh, I'm going through this 
with two screens here. So Jimmo, Scotty Good, Danny, Connor Burke, we see all you on YouTube. Who else do we got here, Scott? Um, uh, Danny, Danny and Connor were going back yeah, and forth for a while. Chiming in a lot. See, the other thing that you guys got to take into consideration, too, this is our podcast. Uh, it's hard for us to, to do as much interaction with this as we do with some of the other videos that we do. So, But we're trying. Anonymous Jackson, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Indie Flick, appreciate you tuning in. Samuel L. Jackson, as always. Uh Let's see. It's so hard when you guys are going back and forth, too. Yeah. That's all I can see on, on YouTube. On, on Facebook? On Facebook. It has been nonstop on Facebook tonight. 106 comments, Fred. Wow. We've got uh, Sean. Has, Sean Carter's been chiming in a lot. We've been hearing you, Sean. Peter's been chiming in a lot. Uh, Greg was on here for a little bit. I know our boy James. Ryan was chiming in for a little bit as well. Uh, our boy over at uh, Spotlight Sports Talk, Darian, was chiming in a little bit. Sharon Sherry, Sharon Sherry, always in the house, Sharon Sherry. We appreciate all the shares. Um, I know that we had uh, Chris Koppelman, somebody we know, all right, yeah. knows, knows a lot. Uh, let's see. It's so hard because this thing can actually only handle so many comments. Uh, that's all I can see. Christy, uh, let's see. Christy, Kevin, Robbie, Nikki. So I'm like, there's so many comments here, dude. It's ridiculous. You guys are going off the we charts might have to with change the comments, the, We might have to change the format of the social media shout-out just to make sure we can get everybody in. Yeah, man. So, yeah, that's that's everybody that I can see right now. If, I, right. if I see anybody else as I'm scrolling through. Well, we appreciate you guys all th you know on all three networks, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We appreciate all the comments. Uh, we had so much stuff that we wanted to cover. Sorry we couldn't get to every question and every comment, but we hope we covered pretty much everything. Uh, but let's shift gears here. We're going to talk Terps basketball real quickly. We're going to go through this kind of quick. Sorry, Ryan. I know you're a big Terps fan. And I know you want to hear us kind of go into a lump. But we've already been going on for an hour and a half. So we're going to try to get through this quickly. So the Terps right now, 12-3 and three on the season. They did have a game tonight. I have not been able to keep up on the game. So I have no idea what's going on with that game. But they were 12-3 and three before tonight. Uh, three and one in Big Ten play. This week they had some big wins. Uh, obviously, the biggest win against number twenty-four Nebraska, seventy-four to seventy-two at home, uh, and then they cleaned up on Rutgers. Two Big Ten wins, seventy-seven to sixty-three. We'll start with the Nebraska game. This was a game of some ups and downs. Man, they they had a stretch of eight straight missed shots in four minutes. Had the team behind early. 47 to 39 in the second half but bruno fernando we talk about him so much had a huge, huge every game. week his name comes up he every had a huge week. game in this game really stepped up i liked to see them get him involved down low he had 18 points and 17 boards in this game that i mean that speaks for itself there that's that's what we talk about every week you gotta play with this team the way that they're built that you gotta play inside out yeah, and they were able that. to do that in this game and get off a big win against Nebraska. Just for, just for Ryan. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Jalen Smith also big in this game. He scored 15 after getting off to a a pretty slow start where he only had three points in in like the first nine minutes of the game. Uh, but none of his points were any bigger than the seven point stretch he had to close out that game, including the game winning layup with just under four seconds left to go. Pretty impressive poise. For a, for a freshman, uh, for him to come up big in a big game like that, it was huge. Anthony Cowan. It was uh, huge. It was huge. <laughs> Anthony Cowan, a guy that uh, 
we talk a lot about, and sometimes we give him some flack uh, for forcing shots and not getting other people involved. Uh, he's had a, he's had an up and down season. He scored 19 in this game, so played really big. I, but I think the the determining factor in this specific game against Nebraska was the rebounding. You know, the Terps out rebounded Nebraska 38 to 28. That's huge. And, and again. Fernando with 17 boards that's a big part of it yeah I mean this this team this was probably one of their best games coming off of a a a rough stretch in in the past few weeks in December you know you you had the the game against Seton Hall right where you lose by four You, you beat Loyola you beat uh Radford uh the Loyola Chicago game was just way too close so it was just this run of you know you win, but in several of these games, you just kind of barely skate by. Yeah, it wasn't very um, impressive wins. No, no, they weren't impressive wins by any means. But this game, it, you know, you to this is to your point. You said that this team, you know, being such a young group of guys, they really needed this kind of this this kind of game mentally to have this strong game and to come out on top against a top twenty five ranked team. Which they technically started out at the beginning right. of the year. They were not. They were number twenty three or twenty four, and now they they've kind of fell out of the rankings. And this is a run. This run for the for this month. There's nine games in the month of January. This run in January could set them up to put them back in the top twenty five. Yeah, if they play their cards right. If they continue to play the way that they're playing right now, they should be in the top twenty five this week. Uh, appreciate it, Scotty, who chimed in on YouTube and let us know that uh, they did end up beating. That. He beat me. They did end up beating Minnesota tonight, which is a, another Big Ten win. I'm gonna go over the stats for that. Minnesota we'll, we'll... is not a rollover either. They were twelve and two coming into this game. They weren't ranked, but they were twelve and two. The, like you said about this team being young, you got to keep in mind this this Terps team. They're the fifth youngest team in Division One basketball. Five of the top eight players on this team are freshmen. Yeah. Like, th- this team can be good, but they- they're going to take time. They're going to take time to build chemistry, to learn how to play against some of the better players. You're playing at the college level. College level isn't like, you know, it's, it's, it's a totally different, different world. Just like the NBA is a different world. Right. And I mean, in high school, these guys were dominating the competition. I mean, right. they, they were so light years ahead of the guys that are around them. Now they're up against guys that are, you know, the same size and at the same skill sets and that kind of thing. So it takes time to get adjusted to that. But we're starting, we're starting to see that now. And, what, and the other thing that we're starting to see is early on in the year with this team is, you were you were seeing players getting more getting worn out and getting tired throughout the game, like midway through the second half. Team the team just wasn't able to finish, wasn't able no. to close, and a lot of that had to do with the depth on the team. I don't know if it was Mark Turgeon just not having faith in in the players that were on the bench, but he was asking too much of his starters. Now you're starting to see some of these role players getting in and some of the depth really becoming a factor in some of these games, and it's keeping their starters fresh, and you're getting better games out of these guys. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is, you know, to your point, you have, you have Jalen Smith who has back-to-back good games, not only against Nebraska, but they went on the road against Rutgers. Right. And in this game, Rutgers jumped out to a, a quick early 15-12 to 12 lead. The Terps go on a twenty-eight to four run in the in the final nine minutes of the first half to go up forty to nineteen. Yeah, it, it was so impressive. When you, I didn't get to watch the game live, but I right. went back and I, I I watched the highlights. I watched the runs. It was impressive. 
Yep. It was depressive, impressive defensively. It was impress, impressive offensively. They were working the ball inside out nonstop. And they spread the ball around in that game, which is what you need to do. And, and you had, to your credit, you, you had Jalen Smith with the back-to-back good games. He had 16 points and six boards in this game. Bruno, 10 points, nine boards, and five assists. An all-around great game. Cowan, he was the only player in that game against Rutgers that had over 30 minutes, and he had 15 points. I mean, he played, he played pretty good. Eric Ayala, Ryan's guy, three for three from three-point land, yep. had 11 points in 25 minutes. And the, the role player that we talk about, some of the depth, some of the depth, Sorrell Smith Jr. came off the bench, had 11 points in 21 minutes in this game. He was three for five from the field. They played better defensive basketball in this game, too, because they were more fresh, I feel like. And, and they held Rutgers to 37% from the field, 28% from three. So, yeah. again, when you really get the bench involved and you've got a rotation of eight guys that you have faith in, it keeps people fresh, and this is the better – this is where you're going to see the Terps play better basketball. Yeah, no, and to to your point, you know, when we look at this, 77-63 was the final in that game. They come back against Minnesota here, and when you look at the stat line in this Minnesota game that, that just ended a little while ago, Anthony Cowan – 27 points, 7 for 12 as far as field goals, 10 for 10 on free throws. Rebounds, Bruno Fernando with 11 rebounds, nice. 7 seven of them defensive, 4 offensive rebounds. Cowan again with 5 assists. I mean, it, it just shows what this team can really do and how they can they can really push. Bruno Fernando went 5 for 10 uh, from 3-point land. Cowan was 3 for 5. Overall, team goes six for ten from three points. Sixty percent—that's pretty good. Yeah, sixty percent—not not a problem with me at all. Uh, and when you just—they they spread the ball around. Ayala it wasn't involved as much on the the offensive side of the ball, uh, but Smith trying to you know kind of joining in on everything uh, in this game and held Minnesota eighty-two to sixty-seven. Wow, it's an impressive win against yeah. against a, a Minnesota team that was twelve and three. And to Scotty's point, the, the coaching worries him. The talent's there; it's been there for the past two or three years. That's exactly what we've been talking about as well. It's it's as much as Turgeon is a great recruiter. The the one big thing with him is is he's just never been a big X's and O's guy. He's just never been a very good overall coach. And the the most frustrating team or most frustrating thing with this talking about this specific team that we had seen so far in this year was they were playing too much perimeter offense, keeping the ball outside. When you've got big bodies like Fernando and sticks down low that can dominate, you have to play inside out because all that's going to do is create better shot opportunities on the perimeter because this this team can shoot if they're given the clean opportunities to shoot the ball. But when all you're doing is, is keeping the, the the basketball outside on the perimeter right. and forcing up contested shot after contested shot, that's what we were seeing earlier on in the season. Is And that's why a lot of those games that should have been, I don't want to say blowouts, but should have been easier wins than what they were, they weren't because we were forcing up shots that just shouldn't have been there. Yeah, no, and you've, in this game they also have some, some big, they have four block shots in this game as well as three steals. Yeah, that's, that's big. That's big defensive that's pretty, basketball. That's pretty consistent with this team. This that's one thing that they can do. They can they can rebound the basketball. Thirty two rebounds in this game. Yeah, they can rebound the basketball and they can block shots. Or thirty two defensive rebounds. I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. Thirty nine overall rebounds. Thirty two of them being defensive. And how many did Minnesota have? Sixteen boards. Sixteen. Overall? Sixteen. Sixteen 
Defensive boards, 12 offenses, so 28 overall. So 28. So basically, we out-rebounded them the same way that we did against Nebraska. So that's huge. Yeah. And then we do have two more games, two more big games coming up uh, before our next show. So Friday night, they're at home against number 21, Indiana, in a rematch of the 2001 National Championship. Indiana has moved to 22 in the rankings, by the way. Okay. They're so falling. They, all right. They were 21 when I wrote the note. <laughs> they at, were. At 12 and 3. They'll be here in College Park. And then Monday, we stay home at College Park to take on number 22. I guess maybe they're 21 now. or They're, they're out of the rankings. Okay. Well, that, They've moved that out. changed. Yeah. All right. Well, they were 22, <laughs> Wisconsin at 11 and 4. They, this is, again, this these next like four or five games are the big test for this team and are going to determine – whether the team gets into the NCAA tournament, where their seating is going to be, because this is the heart of the Big Ten conference schedule, and these are the big games, the, the tough games. This is what we talked about. We got 22 Indiana, Wisconsin, who who was previously 22, who's you know moved out of the rankings now, but that just means just that they're just out of it. I would imagine Maryland's ahead of them in the rankings, being 13 and three over them being 11 and four. Right. Obviously, strength of schedule plays a role in that. But then after those games, and we'll get we'll get into this more next week. You then take on number 16 Ohio State and number six Michigan State. Right. So, like to your point, four huge games that could really dictate. Uh, where where we go with things and, and how this the rest of the season goes and where we wind up in this tournament. Yeah, so, I mean, look, they're, they're starting to right the ship. Um, if they continue to play this style of basketball, continue to get the guys involved off the bench, have a good rotation, this team could be dangerous if they could get into the tournament because, again, these guys are only going to get better. They're so young that – the more that they play these these ranked teams and the more that they're tested against some of the best of the best, all that's going to do is more battle test them and prepare them for the NCAA tournament that they can, they could be a dangerous team come playoff time. If they stick with their guns, they could definitely be very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, no Orioles news this week. I know nope. Scotty asked on YouTube uh, a little bit ago asking if we would talk uh, O's in the off, you know, O's off season with the Ravens kind of winding up. We will get tune into more. in next week for sure. We we try to we try to stay up. There hasn't been a whole lot of O's news this week, as you know. Uh, it's one of those things that as it comes up, we try to talk about it. We can only de- beat a dead horse so many times with things like Chris <laughs> right. Davis and Brady Anderson. What the hell is his role? We still don't know. Uh, but when do, when news does arrive, arrive, we do try and, and go a little bit more in-depth about it, especially we, We've with talked Ravens about also. it over the past couple of weeks. All the news that's kind of happened with the new signings and, and Elias kind of building his staff and Hyde building his staff. We've talked about those things in previous weeks, so if you want to listen to that, go back and listen to a few of our other episodes, but we will definitely be talking more about that over the next couple of weeks with you know the Ravens season now being over. So All right. Minutes warning. All right, Scott. This is your week, my friend. Sorry, the uh, audio cut. It's all right. It's a two-minute warning. There's a lot of uh, news to cover. You know, we're not a big college football, you know, a college football show. We do talk about Maryland Terps football, but uh, obviously 
the national championship happened this week, so I know you got a lot of things to say about that. I got, that, I, got sure. I, I got I got a bunch of topics, but there's I'm gonna have to like I'm gonna run through these as fast as I can and rattle off and get you as much of this out there as I can. So, all right, Scott, your two minute warning starts now. Green Bay Packers hire Matt LaFleur to fill their head coaching vacancy since firing Mike McCarthy after the Week 16 loss to the Cardinals. Having worked with QBs like Jared Goff and Matt Ryan, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles the Packers' star QB, Aaron Rodgers. Timberwolves guard Derek Rose is left apologizing Monday during an interview. Rose told his doubters, kill yourself. Now he's pedaling back saying it was just slang. Come on, Derek. You've been in the league for 10 years now. That's stupid. It's stupid. You know better. Mike Mayock, the GM for the Raiders, was on the field prior to the Clemson and Alabama game. And during an interview with ESPN's John Levy, Mayock openly stated, if it came down to it, John Gruden has final say with anything. Not sure how I feel about a GM openly saying that his coach has final say. That's a lot of trust right there. (laughs) NBA forward Robert Covington was traded back in mid-November from Philadelphia 76ers to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But Monday, he told a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer that he had found out, like everyone else did, on social media. How bad does that suck? That <laughs> was the world. T- then he wasn't told until 5 minutes 14 meeting when he had known for a little while before that point. Social media at its finest or sports or worst with sports news. Yeah, Who knows? Right. Last night, number two Clemson took on number one Alabama in the college football playoff national championship for the third time in four years. Sidebar, they still faced each other in the Sugar Bowl semifinals last year. Right. But this year, enter Trevor Lawrence. Most of you don't even know who this guy is until last night when he threw 22 for 32 for 347 yards and three TDs. This freshman is making some impressive throws, including one under duress in a linebacker late in the third, and it was caught by T. Higgins. What a catch, what a throw this Unreal. was in this route of the of the tide by the Tigers. Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the, the Patriots, confirmed today that he plans to return to the Pats in 2019. This comes after he interviewed with the Packers last week for their head coaching job. Uh, Woo! Got that in there. There you go. That was good, man. That was good. No, to go real quickly on your comment about the college football championship, that kid, Lawrence, I had heard of him, but I hadn't watched him at all. He's impressive. Wow. Man. Some of the throws he's wow. making, the extending of plays, and to, to do that to the tide. Right. And he's a freshman. Exactly. Six foot six, 220 pounds. This dude is a man. Yeah. But he's, he's a freshman. That's just mind boggling. This kid is going to be he's a it. fresh man. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be in college football at least one more year, possibly two more years. This could be a three year run for Clemson. For national championships. I mean, if, if he's able to dominate, dominate, he's, four touchdown win against Alabama. And it wasn't, it wasn't as if Alabama wasn't trying. No, no, <laughs> I just. This kid, this kid had blown. Some, some, some good throws. That one, did you see the one I was talking about? Yeah, the, the, one, one, the one-handed thing where he pulled it in it, around the sideline. Pulls it in around the sideline. Yeah. Well, then there was the, the one in the end zone. The one that I'm talking about is the one in the end zone where he, he literally is feeling the pressure. He's oh, getting yeah, hit yeah, yeah. Right. and throws this ball that literally, all, I swear, it, sk- it could have skimmed off the helmets uh, of all the players on the field. It was that, it was that low of a throw. That kid's uh, impressive. But it, it was just, it was good. Yeah. So, all right, man. What a show. Well, we got to thank our boy Sonny over at SCG Sports. Make sure you go check him out. SCG Sports, you can check him out on YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. You name it, he's there just like we are. Just search SCG Sports. You'll be able to find him. No problem. Thank you again, Sonny, for being on. As always, 
we want to thank you guys for tuning in every week and joining us. Make sure that you go check out our website, www.birdlandbs.com. For the, while you're there, you can check out all of the episodes. You can make sure that you also check out about Fred and I. You can reach out and contact us. And you can go check out the gear page where you can get the T-shirts. Get your hashtag Lamar Effect shirt. Fred will thank you for it. <laughs> I will. But we want to. We also want to point you in the direction of BirdlandSports.com. There's a bunch of other writers and podcasters that we're on there with, and there's enough content for every day of the week. So go check it out. It's for fans by fans. Make sure you check us out on all of our social media pages. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter at FredBLBS at ScottBLBS. Our hashtag hashtag BLBS Nation. And oh, I can't forget our page at BirdlandBS. Simple as that. Right. Facebook, same thing. Search it. You'll find us. No problem. Instagram, yeah. Hit us up. Let's go. Do it. Make sure you reach out to us if you want to hear your opinion. If you want to have your opinion shared on the show, we'll make sure to read out Appreciate all the saying. interaction tonight for sure. We, we love it, guys. We feed off this. We enjoy doing it. As always, make sure you tune in every Tuesday night, 845. We'll be back next week for Berlin BS. I'm Scott. I'm Fred. See you guys. See you. Peace.